Welcome to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Corey. I'm Kelly, and we are the Picture Books to Gang. We invite you to join us here every other week while we discuss amazing books and issues in children's literature, as well as early literacy, education, and parenting as it relates to reading. We can't wait to dig in deep and get nerdy about picture books with you. Hello, friends. I'm so glad you could join us this week for Picture Books and Justice. I'm Kelly, and today we are joined by author, illustrator of the beloved Jabari Jumps, Gaia Cornwall. Gaia has celebrated two more releases this year, one as the illustrator of The Unicorn Came to Dinner by Lauren Stefano, and the other as the author-illustrator of the triumphant sequel to Jabari Jumps, Jabari Tries, which was just released in September. She also has a forthcoming 2021 title with Candlewick Press titled best bed for me, which I can't wait to hear more about today. Welcome, Gaia. I'm so happy to chat with you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to talk to you too. So before we get started, (laughs) I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm really thrilled because we adore Jabari Jumps. I think we've gotten it from the library approximately 44 times. I was actually trying to look on our library account the other day. (laughs) My four-year-old just just (laughs) refers to the book as Jabari. (laughs) That's it. And he was really thrilled with the new book too. So, But I think Jabari Jumps is the most special in his heart, probably because we've read it so many times. So perhaps you can give our listeners a bit of background about yourself and how you got into illustration. So... I live in the U.S. and I grew up in like the smallest state, which is Rhode Island um, on the East Coast in New England. And then I lived in Brooklyn. I went to school in Brooklyn. And so I lived there for a long time. And then now we're in the middle of moving to Connecticut to be closer to my yeah husband's family. We have two kids and a cat. And maybe by the time just everyone's listening to this, we'll live in Connecticut and maybe we'll have a dog. Oh, really want a dog (laughs) again. That's exciting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then let's see, my road to illustration was kind of long and windy, even though I started out like as long as I can remember being like that kid that drew on everything I could get my hands on. And my family was pretty supportive of that, which was awesome. And I loved, I, I loved picture books. I'm a big reader. I've always been a big reader. I remember like I have very strong memories of going to the library and being like, I must've been pretty young because I don't think I could read at the time. But I was like sitting in the stacks and just like pulling out picture books and tossing the ones that I didn't like, if I didn't like the illustrations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had big opinions. Yeah. And I don't know, along the way, I just decided that being an animator was more practical, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because I did go to <laughs> art school. I wasn't like, I don't know. But um, yeah, so I went to art school for animation mm-hmm. and I did that for a long time or not that long, but I did some animation mostly for television. And then like I did a film festival with friends and I was an, a video editor for like corporate, like I worked for Planned Parenthood, the corporation for a while. It was this long windy. And then I did a bunch of editorial. I started getting into editorial illustration. And then I think I really, I was intimidated, I think, to get into picture book. And it took a long time for me to kind of find my visual voice. Being an animator is kind of the opposite where you're supposed to be able to draw in any 
style. So I started working on manuscripts and dummies and um, just like learning as much as I could about the industry. So Jabari Jumps was my, yeah, first book. And I think I worked, I mean, I didn't work on it for 10 years straight, but I definitely would pick it up for 10 years, like on and off. Um, wow. Just like improving and working on it. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So, you know, what does a typical workday look like for you? And has your process kind of changed through the pandemic? Yes. <laughs> yes. As it has That's for all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have a typical workday anymore. Yep. I can hear you there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, obviously the pandemic's been really hard for everybody, but you know, parents, it's hit pretty hard. It's, and I'm super lucky. Like my, both of us are still working. Like we didn't lose their jobs. I have a super flexible job, so I can mm-hmm. kind of make my own hours, but yeah, it's hard. Like we have two little kids and we don't have childcare anymore. And so figuring that out has been interesting. Perhaps has <laughs> something to do with that move coming up. Yes. Yes. And I mean, we've been super lucky. So basically I work when we have help. And so we've been, we have wonderful grandparents on both sides. My parents, husband's parents have been super helpful. We've had to be really careful because of medication I'm on. So sometimes that involves like two week quarantines, which they've been really mm-hmm. patient with. Now, instead of like, working a little bit every day because I did have a pretty solid schedule before like in between school and you know nursery school and daycare now it's like I just like work in big chunks yeah when I get that time and I just Mm -hmm. like take it when I got it just go for it yeah that (laughs) makes sense for sure (laughs) yeah I mean every Wednesday has changed in the pandemic and I identify with you. I have a four-year-old that's home all the time now who was supposed to be starting junior kindergarten this year and we held back. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's a weird year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. I have (laughs) a four-year-old too. Oh, there you go. I was actually just thinking today with the election that I I hardly remember the 2016 election because I had a newborn and it's just like a blur of time. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. so let's talk about Jabari a little bit. And I'm yeah. really wondering what was your original inspiration for the character, for the original book, all of that? Yeah, I worked on it for a long time. And I think a lot of it, there's like a lot of me in it. Like as a little kid, I really loved swimming. I loved the water, but I also remember jumping off the diving board and I remember that feeling and I remember being so scared to do it. And I too am kind of cautious and think things through. And one of my kids is actually like that too. And then also one of the things that was going on, and I should have looked this up because I don't remember which Olympics it was, but there's an Olympics going on and I'm kind of like an Olympics nerd. And I was watching a lot of swimming and there's a swimmer, Colin Jones, and he's this amazing, like he's still competing. Um, He's won multiple Olympic medals. And he now works with, I mean, he's still competing and stuff, but he also works with Make a Splash Foundation, which is like the U.S. swim, swimming foundation group that teaches kids how to swim, mostly in the inner cities. So that was like kicking around too. And then I think like another, or I don't think, I know, like another big part of it was just like my frustration with the publishing industry 
and I mean, really, it's like Western media, how the default human protagonist is white. And I just felt like as a creator, I felt this responsibility to show all the people in my life to, to represent where I grew up, you know, that Mm -hmm. community and my friends and, and my family. And so, yeah, so Jabari and his family are black and they look like my cousins and their dad. And so since I worked on it for so long, yeah, uh, my cousins are huge now. They're like, <laughs> they're like not over- a little boy and a baby anymore. No, 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 no. Yeah. So that's kind of funny, but um, yeah, that's where it started out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were like, I got a video and they were like doing backflips off of something like into the water so they're like way beyond well that's really interesting and you know I'd always I'd always kind of wondered you know I think one of the things that's always struck me about actually both books but you know it's lingered with me since the first time I read the first book is how beautiful and supportive and caring the dad is in the story it's just it's something so beautiful that you don't see a male figure in storybooks being that like emotionally validating and patient and calm and wonderful and hearing that it's inspired by your family and all of those things it really kind of brings a lot full circle on that so you created a character that to me felt incredibly human that I don't see very often and I read an inordinate amount of picture books. <laughs> um, I feel like his dad is like the parent I want to be all the time. And- I, I want to be that patient very badly. <laughs> Definitely an aspirational parent figure for sure. So what do you hope that kids and family teachers, what do you hope that they take away from the Jabari character from the books? Well, when I talk to kids about Jabari jumps, we talk a lot about like what, fear is and what they're scared of and I that's always really interesting because everyone wants to share and then we also talk about bravery and what that means and you know there's this misconception that bravery means you're not scared Mm -hmm. but the definition is actually no you're scared and you walk through it so we just talk about like different kinds of fear I guess I really hope that Jabari Jumps just opens up that conversation of, yeah, like, what do you do with fear? Like, how, how do you use that emotion in a productive way? Like, sometimes fear means no, like, you know, you're not ready, like, don't do this. And mm-hmm. actually, when I pictured Jabari Jumps, I kind of thought that this was, that this had happened like a bunch of times already, like they had gone to the pool a bunch. <laughs> And like right. every time he was like, I'm going to jump. But his dad's like, okay. This is the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so like finally it's today and he is ready. And I think like that's a cool thing for kids to own is like figuring out when they're ready. And I think our, their adults can help them figure mm-hmm. that out. And then for Jabari Tries, I think just like – that idea of persistence and like dealing with frustration and being able to self-regulate is just the older I get, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the key to everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being able to like self-regulate your emotions. So yeah, I guess I hope that that book like brings that up and can be a model a little bit for working through stuff like that. And Jabari tries, like, I think the other big theme in it that wasn't as much in the first book is, like, 
the teamwork theme is definitely in there with the yes. sister, which I thought yeah, was really was interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so that was definitely like this whole extra element that brought it a lot of new life. Mm-hmm. Cause otherwise I think without that element, it could have ended up being a very similar story of just keep trying or, or, you know, and right, eventually yeah. you'll get there. But instead it was mm-hmm. like, not only are you frustrated, but you have to work with your sister when you're frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just a sibling story for the yeah, ages. I, yes. Yes. Um, one that I see played out in my life daily. <laughs> yeah. Valuing other people's voices too like even when they're like your little sister and you're mm-hmm. just like uh uh-huh. but then like she ends up holding the key for my son he really liked the me part because she kept saying me and then she said we and he like jumped through yes. the roof the first time she not said everyone, we okay yeah not everyone notices <laughs> that really <laughs> I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like no one's really like only a few people have mentioned it and I'm like right yeah that's yeah. Yeah. It goes from me and then it's we. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. yeah. I picked up on it. My son got it. Yeah. So with the success of the first book, Davari Jumps, which is so beloved at this point, how did you decide on the story for the follow-up? And did you have a bit of nervousness around doing a sequel? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I never, ex- I never envisioned it that way. How did it come about? My editor asked, was kind of like are you interested in doing another one and it and I mean I've been wanting to like break into this industry for so long so if they were like are you interested in doing whatever she would have asked me I would have been like yes of course <laughs> and I what and of course I was like I I love that family and that I, it was exciting to me to get to like explore more about them and like what else would they do and yeah my cousins were like they should do basketball it should be about basketball and I was like no like I'm a terrible (laughs) (laughs) basketball so for a long time I I was like oh I think I want it we I like brainstormed all these ideas and one of them we were like okay it's gonna be about science fairs because I loved like doing science fairs and Mm -hmm. that just seemed like really fun to draw and work on but then like as I realized I wanted his sister to be a bigger part of it it just kind of evolved into this like more maker inventor engineering story and like less focused in like a classroom it was going to be like at school right Um, and this like brought it back home Um, into the backyard yeah yeah it just like more a smaller and more intimate story makes sense okay so now that you started in the industry as an author illustrator and this year you've had a book come out as the illustrator and not the author do you have a preference or how are how does it differ being in those two different roles I don't think I have a preference it was so fun like it was actually it was so fun you know just having the words already there was like oh cool it just felt like this well it seems like I haven't gotten to read it yet unfortunately but the unicorn came to dinner is the title of the book it seems like a really fun book to illustrate too right yeah I mean fanciful yeah Yeah. it's a humongous unicorn that's like really annoying (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh my gosh yeah I, I guess the biggest difference is and not everybody knows this, but authors and illustrators in traditional publishing don't actually talk to each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when there's a change or you have a question, like the 
chain of communication <laughs> is <laughs> long. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that means like it just takes a while, which is just really different from when I'm working on my own stuff where I just like, if it's the words, I just go right to my editor and I'm like, what do you think about mm -hmm. this? And like, it's like a one phone call or a couple emails or something. And then it's like done. And then the same with my art director, like we'll kick it around, but it's like happening in real time kind of. Right. And this, this is different. Cause it, I mean, I don't, I should ask Lauren cause I don't actually know, but the chain of command could have, or communication could have gone from like me to my agent, to the editor, maybe to the art director, to the, Lauren's agent, and then to Lauren. Right. And I don't yeah. think that happened every time, but like, you know, it, That's yeah, a lot. it's just a different Things process. can get lost in translation yeah. that way too, yeah. for sure. But then on the other hand, it's been like so fun to have a partner, mm -hmm. um, especially doing promotional stuff. That's been super fun to get to do stuff with Lauren. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing it by yourself. And totally. so even though I, you know, work very closely with my editor and I work very closely with my art director, like I'm by myself and it just felt different. It felt really nice to like have more of a partner, more of a collaboration with someone else. It was fun. That's neat. Awesome. So maybe you can give us a bit of background on your forthcoming release for next year, which I got only a little line drawing sneak peek on your website. So I'm definitely oh, excited yeah, to hear yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it too. I'm working on it right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So best bed for me is about a little girl who does not want to go to sleep. So she's pretending to be like all these different animals. And like, so she's acting out how they go to bed and her moms or really one of her moms is like getting super annoyed with her mm -hmm. and yeah it was funny <laughs> when I told my agent about it I was like pitching her all these different ideas and she was like uh-huh okay yeah um so it seems like all your books are about kids who won't go to sleep <laughs> I was like Oh, like I hadn't noticed at all, which I thought was really funny. Maybe a theme um, in your life that's just worked in so yeah, deeply. Yes. Yeah. So like, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, but it's been super fun to draw. I love drawing animals and it was like, you know, the science aspect of learning, doing all the research, which I love to do too. So I'm really excited for it. That sounds awesome. I'm really excited to read it. And you're doing it with Candlewick again. Yeah, yeah. I actually have the same team. It's great. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. That's super awesome. So like clearly you found like a home there that you're really enjoying. Yeah. 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 yeah I feel so lucky. So what's your biggest advice to parents, caregivers, educators about building a more inclusive book collection, whether it's in their classroom or at home? I mean, as far as finding books, depending on where you live, your library is like and your librarian, even more specifically, is mm -hmm. such an can be an amazing resource. And you can say, you know, I love this book. I want something similar to this, or like they. You can be really granular and specific, and usually they'll have a bunch of recommendations, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. And then also for me, I find Instagram is really awesome. Like you know, just, there's stuff yeah. happening. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like I kind of can't deal with Twitter, but. 
Instagram I love and I'm mm-hmm. sure that, like Twitter is great too. I just don't know that much about it. Um, it's really funny because apparently that's where all the authors and, and publicists and 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 all like everybody's hanging out there in the book world and I have trouble with it too. The three of us, the Picture Books to Gang podcast, yeah. we're all trying, but only Allie can seem to get a handle on it. We're all just much better on Instagram. I just felt like it was like becoming a part-time job. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have like I can't do this I, can't, I have to jettison something yeah so maybe it's the visual part mm-hmm. I mean I guess Twitter is also visual but all the like you all have amazing accounts that are super helpful and then I also follow like here we read and Charney is the best yes and Vera oh they're both yeah, amazing yeah. Vera, yeah yeah and they and Vera has a group on Facebook for teachers oh really oh the name that. yeah mm-hmm. it's like a private group and you can just go on and ask any questions about books. And people are always like jump in and suggest stuff. Oh, that's um, amazing. Also, book subscription boxes have mm-hmm. been really nailing it, I feel like. Yeah, For sure. Feminist. Yeah. I'm a book huge feminist fan. I can't stop yeah. talking about it ever. Yeah. It's amazing. It's they have great. such an incredible team of people working on their boxes. Yeah. There's definitely been a whole bunch that have popped up that aren't the same quality. And I think Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I think everybody, everybody started their own box this year. <laughs> right. Our okay. shelves has been mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. There's a few of them out there that are really amazing, but you know, it's usually the ones that I think have somebody that's really paying attention to super intentional choices and, and yes. put it like little feminists. They put the curriculum questions in. They're just a yeah. lot more well-researched. That's- yeah so but yeah yeah that's a good point it's not Mm -hmm. yeah no I yeah I've been really impressed and then and then I think also paying attention to publishers that are like not only promoting and creating diverse and inclusive characters but are also like promoting and working with creators who are inclusive and diverse and uh, you know if we want all those inclusive and diverse stories for our kids like we really need to be supporting those creators too and following those publishers is a great way to do it definitely Kokula from penguin random house lee and low um, yeah lee and low is just like been around forever and they're always amazing latana which i think is newer but i've seen a few books from them and i'm gorgeous yeah they're really everything beautiful. they do is amazing and yeah i'm really lucky that i get to work with candlewick i love their work too candlewick has had like on top of you know the return of jabari tries and everything else that's happened this year just like some absolutely incredible releases this year some of my absolute favorites have come from there and and again like the um sequel to julian is a mermaid julian at the wedding which is just like yeah amazing i was emailing their publicity person a week or two ago i was like you guys are killing it this year (laughs) it is heartening you know because of what i do where i'm constantly just trying to promote and uplift diverse books and bipoc authors and illustrators and and lgbtq authors and illustrators and so on and so forth but you know even before the uprisings began in the spring i could definitely already see that the tides were starting to turn a little bit but the publishing industry is so slow in two years yeah. In two years, we're going to see a massive change, yeah. but it's really hard to wait. So Yeah, and I think people don't realize that it takes two years to make a book generally. Yeah. It is a slow-moving industry. It's, it's not painfully fast. slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been a rise in self-publishing because it's easy with Amazon and things like sure. that, but there's still something to the process with the publisher and having a great editor and a great art director and all of those things that make this 
perfect, wonderful, beautiful piece of yeah. art that is a picture book. So, so I'm excited to see what comes. Me too. And you're working on more than one project, right? I was just reading on your uh, about section. You're working on a middle grade too? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you wrote um, it on the website. So it's not a secret. I did. No, it's yeah. not a secret. Mm -hmm. Um. I thought I had a first draft or I had a first draft done. Yeah. I have a critique group. Mm -hmm. and now they're rewriting, you know. Oh. <laughs> Work <laughs> and, in progress. Yeah, pulling it apart. And yeah, like last week I decided I didn't like the climax. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just that little piece. Just a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Just a tiny detail. I'm, I'm figuring it out. It's been super fun um, to work on and very unexpected. Like I think I, you know, really primarily saw myself as an illustrator and no, this has been, but I'm like such a reader. Yeah. I'm so happy to be writing too. It's great writing like in this format. It's really different. <laughs> Well, congratulations. I'm excited for it. So, um, and yeah, no, and it's, it's awesome that you have so many projects on the go, which means that we're going to keep seeing lots of things from Gaia as the years go on. So on that note, since we were kind of just talking about it as well, what are some of your favorite books that have come out this year and what do you look oh, for yeah. in a picture book? Oh, Evelyn Del Rey is moving away. Oh, I love Evelyn out. Del Rey. Yes. It's so I've good. Balled yeah. my eyes out the first time I yeah. read it. Balled my By eyes Meg out. Medina and um, mm -hmm. Sonia Sanchez. Yeah, and that like really hits home because like we're moving. I don't know. It's, oh, it's really yes. beautiful. It's a great, great book. A Girl Named Rosita just came out by Anika Aldemir Denise. And I just got it in the mail and I haven't gotten so the crack good. spine yet. Yeah. Like all of Anika's stuff is great. Uh, Leo Espinosa did mm -hmm. the illustrations. It's really beautiful. So I'm excited about those. And then I'm really looking forward to um, Tracy Sorrells and Frené Lasek. They did We Are Grateful, Ojala yes. Heliga. And mm -hmm. so they have one coming out in the spring. We are still here. Oh, that looks oh, that's really exciting. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I keep like seeing, you know, little bits from it popping mm -hmm. up all of a sudden. Um, and then another one that I'm looking forward to, which I think is from Latana, is mm -hmm. um, Anita and the Dragon. Oh yes, plural. I saw Anita a sneak peek. Yeah, I think I saw a sneak peek it's, of that. It looks amazing, yeah, but I don't know too much it, it about it yet. Really yeah, incredible. Yeah, I same. Like I just yeah. saw. I think some of the cover and maybe a few of the spreads, and I was like, wow, I, I can't wait to get my hands on that. Yeah. What gets you really excited though? I mean, definitely the art. Yeah. Like there's, uh, you know, my taste I think has changed since I was a four year old you should <laughs> art hope. critic. Yes. Um, but I think like, I mean, I know for some, sometimes people are like, what's more important in picture books? And I don't know, like for me, I can't get over artwork that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And I can forgive a lot of writing that I'm not super fond of if I love the art. So I think like the first thing that pulls me in is the illustrations for sure. Yeah. And then the writing, like, like that little like nugget of you're like, Oh, that that's like that exact phrase I would use as a kid. Or like, there's just like some recognition of childhood. That's like very specific and it's subtle. Usually Meg Medina. Yeah. And Evelyn Del Rey is just like full yes. of that. 
it um, captures that book captures so much of that childhood feeling in a way that like yeah again it, it's kind of how I feel about the dad in Jabari and oh. and it's just like because it just gave me that extremely like deep in my soul feeling of like that childhood yeah. friendship and I've like never seen that before that book right blew me away yeah yeah so yeah I no I get really what you mean. Love, um like Charlie and Mouse those books um Laurel Snyder Lauren I don't know those ones oh are they early readers after about yeah but there's just like this like they know kids like yeah I don't know it's really beautiful when that happens and, you know they're not like talking at kids it's like they're channeling yeah. this energy or something yeah you know sometimes I read a book and I feel like do you remember what it was like to be a kid because I don't feel it when I'm reading this you yeah. know yeah. and and then yeah every once in a while you read something and you're like yeah that's it that's what I remember yeah. and yeah. that's what I see in my child or you know like yeah. and there's just it's a magical thing it's intangible yeah, it feels like magic yeah, yeah. totally yeah. that's awesome well is there anything else that you'd like to add before we sign off I don't think so <laughs> oh I'm reading oh wait yes yes um plug it I'm yeah this YA book that I think it's probably everywhere but I've been like working so maybe it's I don't know <laughs> Legendborn yeah by Tracy Dion and it is so good I'm it's getting to the point where like I'm realizing it's gonna end and so I'm purposely not reading it as fast as so, I like want grieving to. in advance about the yes. end of the book yeah. Uh, yeah and I'm like oh my gosh like this must be is it a trilogy I don't know like I hope there's 15 of them like it's just sucked me right in yeah so I, I recommend that if anyone needs <laughs> it's not like super happy so maybe right now I don't know it depends how you want to process the news right now but well you know beautiful book it's a tricky time. This will be coming out. Yes. Our listeners will be hearing this about two weeks after we record. So who knows what will happen in two weeks. Yeah. Time. So maybe you can just let everybody know where they can find you on the internets and, uh, and then we'll say goodbye. So I'm at gayacornwall.com. It's G-A-I-A. And then I'm on Instagram the most. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm on Facebook sometimes. But if you like really want to get in touch with me, you should email me. Okay. <laughs> it takes me forever. For some reason, I never see Facebook messages. Um, I do see Instagram ones, but they're yeah. a little easier to pop up when you're yeah, in the app yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for joining us for some picture books and justice. We were talking tonight with author Gaya Cornwall and myself. I'm Kelly, and this is the Picture Books Gang podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Picture Books Gang, and remember to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, and now Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're basically everywhere. Be sure to drop us a note on Instagram and let us know what are you reading. Bye.